Almirola moved up. Hamlin made a clean pass. That's it. Within two oh. car lengths. Not enough. Turn three. Not final time. Now that's oh, a Towner, Denny Hamlin. We heard. Checkered flag for Hamlin. Well, he don't have to hear from us anymore, huh? Wow. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, it's jam-packed. A very exciting week in NASCAR, very exciting week in sports. We'll talk about all that. So on this week's episode, we're going to start by recapping Richmond because we've got more reason to be excited yet again to kick off podcast recapping last week. A little bit of a victory lap. you got to love it. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. Then we will move on to Martinsville because what a week we have teed up for Martinsville. We've got all three series competing and it's night race time. Yeah, we've got the trucks on Thursday night. We've got Xfinity on Friday night and then a Saturday night race at Martinsville. Very exciting stuff. Very rare. Don't see that very often. And we'll talk about you know the the schedule and and why that is so rare and uh we'll get into our picks you know we'll talk about the track a little bit but then get to picks because we want to see if we can remain hot there in the outrights we've got some finishing position bets that we're going to talk about and head to heads just like always so a lot of stuff to get to there for martinsville and then in the Phil's Fired Up section, I am fired up for so many different reasons this week. I mean, you guys know I love the trucks. We'll talk a little bit about that and uh, what to expect in the truck race on Thursday night. Like, man, it just hits you so quick. And there are other sports. I mean, if you are a fan, if you're a natural gambler of really all sports and you also love NASCAR and betting on NASCAR, this week is just jam-packed for you because we've got Martinsville, all three series, night races, just, you know, amazing for us NASCAR fans. But then we've also got golf. The Masters is starting on Thursday. Huge, like the biggest weekend in golf. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, baseball. I mean, the, the lockout has moved the start of the regular season for baseball starting. So uh, I've got some baseball picks out there. So, you know, you know, when big events happen, I like to kind of throw my little uh, two cents in for certain things. I've got some some picks on uh, baseball as well at the end. So this is just like uh, the stars are aligning, you know, what whatever the phrase is. What a week. I mean, and we had the basketball championship on Monday for college basketball. It's just crazy sports week especially if you're a NASCAR fan, because you get those three races in there, night races to boot. So a lot to talk about on this episode. Like I said, I was not lying. Now, I do want to mention a, a couple other uh, program alerts here. We had a great time last week on Derek's Twitter Spaces betting preview show. He does that on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. I was happy to be on there last week. He had a bit of a panel, a bunch of guys talking about their picks, and then we had people asking questions and jumping in with their own picks. It was awesome. Such a fun time. It's a lot like a radio show um, where it's just live and about an hour long. Phenomenal stuff there. We had an absolute blast, and uh, it seems like we did pretty well with the conversations that we had and the results that went down on Sunday. So give that a look every Wednesday. You know, I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but 
If you miss it this week, he'll have it again the week after, and I always try to jump on when I can. Uh, the other thing is we're going to talk about golf at the very, very end, like I said, and Phil's fired up, but Derek himself is going to be on our friend's podcast, Chris and Ian, the Flag Hunting Podcast, to talk Masters and NASCAR. So a lot of great stuff. You know, I'm not the best golf uh, gambler. I've got certain things that I bet on, but those guys know everything. So uh, just wanted to get that out there right off the bat here to, to send you their way if that's something you're super into. So let's recap Richmond. We picked Hamlin last week on the podcast for plus 1,200, and he stepped up to the plate and hit one out of the park for us. Amazing. We're back-to-back outright winners. This is kind of rare, you know, to be able to be on the outrights two weeks in a row. We'll see what we can do this week, but let's just uh, revel in it here for a second. Hamlin was a pick that... We made because of his track history, hometown track, you know, et cetera, all the the right things. We made the picks for the right reasons. But throughout the race, it did not seem like he was going to be, you know, a a big factor in the very end. It ended up being a a strategy race, which to me, when you hear that, I think more of like Pocono. You know what I mean? Like that's what I think of a, a, a tire wear, fuel strategy, that sort of thing. And... Richmond being a short track, it kind of is like, oh, you know, would you want to see that on a a short track? But I think it worked. I think the the first bit of the race, I was a little unsure. I was like, well, I'm not really digging this. But the way it ended and looking back on it, just because we hit the outright winner, um, I'm trying to take that out of it. I think the race overall was pretty good. I, I think you need strategy races in there throughout the season because it brings the full team into the picture. It brings the crew chief into the picture. It brings the pit crews into the picture. So it worked out, I think. We talked about how we were a little rough on uh, Richmond from the last few years, saying how that you know really just wasn't, uh, wasn't the racing that you would really hope at a short track. I think this week, you know, it definitely turned it around a little bit. Now, that strategy that these different guys were on. They were all doing different things, and it was a little tough to follow. Uh, We had Chad Knauss in the booth, and even he was a little bit confusing a bit, Um, but, you know, not confusing is the way he was presenting it, but I don't think he was fully grasping what all the different strategies were uh, to be able to relay that to us as the viewer. Now, the main thing that was, you know, pretty apparent was that William Byron was going for it, and you got to love that for somebody who has a win already this year. They're just going for it. And then it turned into, a, okay, how quickly can these guys track him down? And it seemed as if it was going to be Truex. Now, we're going to talk about Truex in a bit here, but Truex versus Byron was really what was set up. And then all of a sudden, Hamlin, who had some fresher tires, hunted down both of them and was able to make that pass once Truex caught Byron, then, you know, Hamlin sneaks in. So for someone like me and anyone else who rode with us there on that Hamlin bet, I was jumping for joy. I was listening to it in the car and I had to pull over. (laughs) I was so excited and and pumped when that went down. So uh, Hamlin steals it for us. And uh, the other bets that did pretty well on Dylan top 10, Austin Dylan, that is, that hat just barely hit. Uh, we're happy that that was able to sneak in there. My other top 10 bets did not hit. And then we went one and two on the head to heads last week. So, uh, but there were some other bets that we threw in there from the betting preview show. And I put them out there on Instagram and Twitter, uh, for head to head. So if you bet them individually, they were looking pretty good. Just missed on a couple parlays like 
just barely. I think it was like by a spot or two. So that was a little upsetting. But hey, you know, when you hit the outright, hit a top 10. And then the one bet that I talked about a little bit on the podcast, I was too late to get it out there on Instagram before the race started. I actually took a screenshot of it and then just forgot to post it. But it was the JGR all four drivers in the top 10. You remember we talked about that, how they did that twice last year. So that was plus 400. And I threw that in myself. Um, Kyle Busch looked like he was going to blow it with that random penalty that they called on him for that illegal tape. What a joke that is. Like if you're an 18 car fan, that was, or if you had Kyle to win or something like that, what a joke of a penalty that was. But he was able to rebound somehow, miraculously, finishes ninth, and then that bet hit. So plus 400 there, I was feeling pretty good. So all in all, great you know weekend there. And just a, a thing there, three races in a row for JGR where all four cars finish in the top 10. Put that in the filing cabinet in the old noggin there for when we go back to Richmond later this year because that, to me, we got to keep that rolling. So... A little bit of a bounce back, like I said, past few years. We had our guy, uh, another Phil, a uh, guy who's reached out to me multiple times, listener of the podcast. He lives in the Virginia area, in the Richmond area. He got so pumped up, he messaged me and said, hey, I'm going to the race on uh, Saturday for the Xfinity race. He was in on uh, Gibbs and, and Noah Gregson. I think he ended up going with Noah, but still a decent race there overall on Saturday and I was asking him you know his opinion since uh you know being at the track on Saturday you know hometown track I guess and he kind of had the same sense of uh the outcome that I did you know what I mean like good to see that type of racing and so uh I think overall that's what most people will be feeling about Richmond the the negative taste in a lot of people's mouths will probably be gone uh when we go back to Richmond next time later this year in the fall so with that let's move to martinsville because it's the second leg of our little short track stint here starting with richmond now martinsville and then next week with the kind of a wild card uh, dirt track at bristol so we're right in the middle so during the intro there i was talking about how we're pumped about how this is a night race and it's super rare for martinsville there's only been one other night race that i could find i went back you know throughout the history looking through the database there, trying to find another night race or night races, because I like to try to look at the stats from night races, you know, look at Daytona nighttime versus the Daytona 500. Um, Richmond, for example, just a lot of tracks that do that with a night and day race. I like to see the differences in the stats. So uh, I was kind of unaware that we have not had really any night races at Martinsville. There was one that I could find within the last five years or so. Uh, and it was during the COVID season. And it was a midweek race. So they were basically just trying to squeeze it in. They said, hey, here's the here's the race. It's going to have to be a nighttime race so people could attend during the work week. And there you go. So this is really the first of its kind, as far as I can tell, where it's a scheduled night race at Martinsville Speedway. Very exciting. This is uh, something that we're not used to seeing, so it'll be a history maker, I guess you could say. Now, looking at the track stats, in the Cup Series, there have been 146 races all-time at Martinsville. So that's back-to-back tracks where we've seen just a boatload of races, a lot of data to pour through if you really wanted to. So the winner has started on the poll 21 times at Martinsville, but 
a lot of it came in the early days of the track. The last time it happened was Jimmy Johnson. He actually went back to back from the pole in 2012 and then the subsequent season 2013. The winner is starting the top five 52% of the time and the top 10 74% of the time. So three out of four times, the winner is going to be starting in the top 10. Outside of the top 20, it's very, very, very rare. Seven times in the history of racetrack. Last time it happened was Dale Jr. in 2014. So Phil, who I just mentioned, who went to the track on Saturday, made a, a great point, you know, with qualifying back, like these stats kind of make qualifying way more fun if you make your bets ahead of time. You know what I mean? Like we had, at least I did, I had uh, Christopher Bell in my picks last week. I had Denny Hamlin in my picks last week, Tyler Reddick. And when you're watching qualifying, you're really cheering for those guys early because if these stats mean anything to you, then, you know, it's a pretty big deal to see how they do in practice and qualifying. Uh, so 74% of the time is a big deal. If you're going to bet on these guys now, which I would recommend doing, and they go out, uh, practice and, and look good, the odds are going to shift and you don't want to get them in ahead of time. So makes qualifying a lot more fun for you if you have the ability to watch it. You know what I mean? So could just be another TV opportunity for you to feel like you have some juice in the game. Manufacturer trends, Ford and Toyota within the last 10 races have won four each. Chevy won two of the last 10, but uh, Ford was really streaky earlier in that time period. They were, you know, hotter a little further back. Toyota seems to be having it more together recently. Now, Chevy has won the last two fall races with Elliott and Bowman. So kind of a mix, I guess you could say, which is interesting to me. When the sports books came out with the odds this week, they look a little bit more stable. We've got a, you know, kind of a heavier favored and then things are kind of dropping down a little bit. Last week, it was like super speedway odds at Richmond because no one really knew what to make of it with the new car, the younger guys. Now things seem to be settling down a little bit. The, the veterans kind of took control last week. So I guess the sports books are giving them the nod again, you know, with the odds, the way they look right now. And if you look at the top six drivers on the odds sheet, there's two each from each manufacturer, Chevy, Toyota, and Ford. So that tells you something. Maybe things are starting to come back to normal here with some of these larger teams. And so what that means to me is my picks this week, at least for the outrights, I'm looking more chalky this week. I think I'm going to bank on a little bit more of what we saw last week at Richmond where the larger teams and some of these bigger name guys are going to be strong once again. Uh, Friday, practice and qualifying, like I just mentioned, super important. So uh, you're going to be wanting to pay attention to that if you choose to hold off because that's where you'll be able to see some of the newer names. If you see a guy like Ross Chastain, Tyler Reddick, Chase Briscoe, the, the big three younger guys, if you see somebody like that just dominating really fast, then you want to jump on those guys. And, and I would be sure to call that out if I saw it. But as far as my picks, I'm going to go with one each from Chevy, Toyota, and Ford. And they're going to be at the top of the list here looking at the odd sheet. So let's get right into it now with the picks to win the race. And we're going to start with a guy that I mentioned last week. I wanted to see if he could 
you know, go out there and, and do some good stuff at Richmond. We're talking about Martin Truex Jr. He is, of course, the odds-on favorite to win, but the value, I was nervous about what kind of value we were going to see for Truex because if he was down there around like plus 300, plus 250, like we saw with Chase and Larson at the road courses, I was going to be a little turned off, but I, you know, kind of fished my wish here. Plus 550 is what you're getting right now for Martin Truex Jr. on most sports books. And why I wanted to see him do well last week was because he's been kind of silent so far this year. And to see him perk up, to see him almost win the race, just gives me so much more confidence. This is what I need to be able to say, yeah, I'm putting my stamp on Martin Truex Jr. I feel good spending my hard-earned money on this guy at plus 550. And I was kind of cheering for him to do well, but it was like, ah, please don't win because I don't want to have to bet back-to-back winners. You know what I mean? So I really did get what I wanted to see out of that 19 car last week. It was worked out perfectly. So now... After I saw him about like lap 100, I was like, yes, I know I'm betting on Martin Truex Jr. at Martinsville. It's like not even a question. Now, he is the favorite, and favorites have not been working out too well this year in the NASCAR season, as most people know. I think Kyle Larson won as the favorite at Auto Club, but other than that, you know, we haven't really seen much because it's been kind of a wonky season. So I guess there's a little bit of risk there if you're a little superstitious, but. I mean, he's the favorite for a reason. Let's look at his last 10 races, three wins, seven top fives, eight top tens at Martinsville. Average finish is first, 6.2. Driver rating, first, 114.4. That's what he averages in driver rating in 10 races. I mean, makes total sense why the sportsbooks would have him there. Now, if he won out last week at Richmond and kind of laid an egg, I'd be interested to see if they'd have him as the favorite or, you know, this high up if this was going to be kind of locked in to begin with, or if his performance this year would have kind of skewed this a little bit. But as the gambler, I think we're in a nice sweet spot with that plus 550 number. Now, he used to struggle at short tracks, but he has 100% turned around. They basically named the joint after him at this point, Martinsville. And that night race that I mentioned at the COVID season, where it was midweek, the only night race that I can find that they ran here, he was the winner. And so, you know, something to be said about that because the nighttime does change the the racetrack. A couple years ago, they're probably not going to be able to go back and look at their notes, especially with a new car. But, you know, the point remains, he's somebody who can get it done all across the board, no matter what we're looking at here, day or night. He won the last two spring races at this track. So you got to love it when, you know, we've got two races a year and they're hot in that part of the season that you're in. And he finished fourth last fall. So just good all around. He has one start outside of the top eight in the last 10 races. So his starting positions have been very good. And the one time that he didn't, he started 33rd. I don't know what the hell happened there. Maybe he missed something or or failed inspection or whatever. Started 33rd, drove through the field, finished third. So that's phenomenal. You know, he can pass cars at this racetrack that can be tough to pass at, I guess, at certain times. His worst finish in the last 10 was 22nd, and in that race, he led 129 laps. So, like I said, this is just a track that comes to him. He's just there, and it means something different to Martin Truex Jr. when they show up at this racetrack. In 2019, he led 464 laps of 500 laps total. That's just 
pure beast mode. I remember that because I did not have him in that race and I was just miserable the whole race. So just unbelievable. There's no reason not to bet on this guy, especially at this number, plus 550. Martin Truex Jr., we had him from the moment they hit that lap 100 mark last week. I, I was all over it, so mark it down, MTJ plus 550. So now you got to start looking at some of these other guys, right? Who else could make sense? Well, the, the next guy that I'm going to call out is Ryan Blaney plus 900. To me, he's the third favorite. This is great value for a guy who's the third favorite on the list. Blaney last week really impressed me. Um, now, I'm not saying that, you know, Truex and Blaney, I'm not saying that Richmond and Martinsville are like apples to apples as far as racetracks are concerned, but I'm just talking about their performance, their team's performance, momentum, that type of stuff, you know, means something to me in the current season. And Blaney, we talked about him kind of fading him last week. He went to a racetrack that he said on record he absolutely hates, probably one of his worst statistical racetracks, and still had a phenomenal race. He put the car on the pole. He led 128 laps. Like, I was shook when I saw him go out, dominate practice, win the pole, leading laps early. I was like, oh my goodness, like, what's going on here? Ends up finishing seventh, but that's his second top 10 in his career at that racetrack. So what does this mean to me? It's the sign of a great season. If you're going to your weaker spot and you do something like that, lead all those laps, get a nice top 10 finish, that means something. So he's now tied for the points lead. So quiet, right? He doesn't have a win this year. I saw a, a meme that was making fun of him basically saying like, hey, the worst thing that could happen for Ryan Blaney fans is he wins the poll and goes out and leads over 100 laps because, <laughs> because then you know he's not going to win the race, which is funny. But to me, that just means it's, it's coming. So looking at his career in Martinsville specifically, in his last 10 races, he doesn't have a win. Five top fives, six top 10 finishes. His average finish is fifth overall, 9.1. And his driver rating is sixth out of everyone. Now, last year, he had two 11th place finishes. So just outside that top 10, just barely. So, you know, he had six career top 10s. That really could have been eight if you're looking at it that way, but we're taking him to win the race. And in 2020, he finished second twice, like just missing. I feel like Ryan Blaney has this like, remember at Daytona, I call him the, the bridesmaid Blaney. Uh, he has this at certain racetracks. So if you just focus on the last three years, which equals to about six races, he is first in average finish and third in driver rating. So that tells you that Right now, recently, he's got it going on. He loves the spring race. His drive rating is over 110 in the last four spring races. Four in a row, over 110 drive rating. That is unbelievable. And he's led over 100 laps twice at this racetrack once last spring. So he's due. He's due. I mean, throwing a lot of different things at you here. These are all just like little recipes for success, you know what I mean, at this racetrack and reasons why he's a good pick at plus 900. Plus 900 is really good value for someone with those stats and that potential that we can see here. And I just want to throw this in here. He's plus 1,200 to win the championship. I said in the preview episode, or maybe it was the Daytona episode, I like Ryan Blaney to win the championship there this year. I think that he is uh, you know, prime for that. He's first in the points lead. As soon as he wins a race... You're not going to get him at plus 1,200. 
You know what I mean? They're kind of holding out on you until that happens. So I'm happy with my plus 1,200 pick to him. Uh, and, and Barstool has top four. He's plus 145 at the moment to be in the final four in the championship race. I think that's great as well. So Blaney, good spot right now. I think, you know, good value here for someone who's got great stats at this track. The last guy I'm going to choose also has great stats at Martinsville. And just like Ryan Blaney, he's due. And just like Ryan Blaney, he's tied for the points lead. We're talking about Chase Elliott plus 700. So you could be looking at me saying, Phil, what the hell? You know, we've cashed in on some pretty big tickets the last couple weeks. You're going chalky. And I, I warned you, but I think it makes sense. Because Richmond was not Chase's day whatsoever. You know, he finishes like 16th. He, he didn't qualify well, just wasn't an overall good day at Richmond, but he still has the best average finish of this season. It's 11.4. So 2022, new car, all that stuff, wonky winners and everything. Chase Elliott still, you know, keeping his head above water there as someone to be a force to be reckoned with, but he's doing it quietly, quietly. Now, I guess it's not that quiet because people keep saying, like, oh, when's Chase going to win? But, you know, I think because they're all down on him, to see that he's, you know, first in points and best average finish is a little bit surprising. Now, looking at Martinsville in his last 10 races, one win, five top fives, seven top tens. His average finish, 10.8, is seventh in all of NASCAR. But his driver rating is third, 110.2. That tells me a story that I'm very interested in because that's telling me that he's got good races, but he's just not getting the finishes that he deserves. And in the last three races, he led over 230 laps. So that's unbelievable. His last four races, his driver rating has been 114 or more. Last fall, he finished 16th, but he won both stage one and two. So I don't remember what happened to him there in that final stage. But the point being, you know, if you're just looking at it face value there, saying, oh, well, he finished 16th last year. Well, he won stage one and two, and his driver rating was unbelievable. So, like I said, he's not getting the finishes that he deserves. If he was, we wouldn't be seeing him at this number, plus 700. I think this is a good track to see our past champion come alive, plus 700. I like it for this nine car. I, there's a special place in my heart for Chase at Martinsville because this was the home and the driver that gave me one of my biggest paydays because I took him to win the championship heading into Martinsville in 2020 and got a, a really big payday. I think it was like plus 2000. So I, he can get it done. This is a track that we could see Chase step up and kind of smack the haters around a little bit. Him and Blaney both together. So Chase plus 700, Blaney plus 900, and Martin Truex Jr. plus 550. All good values even though they're the chalky picks, I still think there's value to them. So get them in now before practice and qualifying in case they go the wrong way. So lock them in, baby. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, you bunch of hot dogs. So next up, we're going to get into some finishing position bets here. And I call it finishing position because we're not just taking top 10 picks this week. I do have a top five pick to throw at you as well to get a little bit better value on this driver. But to start, we are going to go with a top 10 pick. And it's someone who we faded last week, had a couple rough 
goes the last couple weeks at it, but now we're back. It's Kurt Busch in that 45 car, plus 135 on Barstool right now as they opened to finish in the top 10. I like this pick. We've got Kurt exactly where we want him. He's hungry. A couple of really rough goes. Did not pan out at Coda the way he would have liked. And then last week, they just were out of the race super early. So they are just scratching to get back in the door here. And I think this is a good track for him to do it. All right. So let's take a look at his history here because five of the last 10 races, Kurt has a top 10 finish 50% of the time. But if you focus in a little bit more on that, it's actually five of his last seven races. So his current situation at Martinsville is very good. His average finish is ninth in NASCAR, 13.6, and his driver rating is 10th in NASCAR, 85.9. So those numbers, you know, when you're comparing them to the rest of the field, they stack up, you know. Why wouldn't you want to take somebody like that to finish in the top 10? And if you're getting plus 135 for him, I'm all over it. In his last three years, so that's roughly about six races, he's sixth in average finish, so even better. Now, he had a bad race last spring, but he bounced back from that and finished seventh in the fall. So, Kurt, I believe in you. I think that he's definitely got it in him. This is a track that stands out to him and you know going into that new team i think they are looking at this the the short track schedule i'd like to think that these teams have kind of broken up the schedule into chunks and i think they looked at the short track chunk bristol dirt complete wild card they knew that he wasn't really that good at richmond this is something that they'd have to have circled as a race they need to perform well at so i'm into it and if you follow Kurt Busch on Twitter, they posted a pretty funny video uh, with the, their faces on the Animal House speech video and basically saying, like, you know, we're not done yet. You know what I mean? We're, we're here. We're coming for you. And that's the type of shit. I know it's supposed to be funny and it's supposed to get views and you know impressions and stuff. But I like that. I like the fact that they're angry. And they feel like they need to bounce back. I know it's roughly a joke. We don't want to look too far into a, a little meme on social media. But I liked what I saw. You know what I mean? It was a, if that video is posted for fun, you have to imagine that there was some sort of conversation in the 2311 shop saying, hey, you know, we got to pick this shit up. So like it, plus 135. Now, he's also going up against Almarola in a head-to-head -head matchup. I think I like that matchup as well. Definitely more of a lean, maybe a race day situation. Uh, we'll see how they go in practice if that head-to-head -head is still there. But Kurt Busch, plus 135 to finish in the top 10 is my first pick here. Now, I mentioned we're going to go with a top five pick, and it's his brother. Kyle Busch, plus 120 to finish in the top five. I think he could easily win the race. He's going off at plus 1,000. I might sprinkle a little something on Kyle there as well. But when you're looking at it, if you focus on the you know, recent history for Kyle, it might scare you off a little bit. But looking at his top last 10 races, rather, he has a really good stretch from 2017 to 2019. He had five straight top five finishes. After that, a little bit of a rough patch, but for Kyle, a rough patch is basically like, you know, deeper in the top 10, not too far out of it. Um, 
So that's, you know, something to be said there. In his last 10 races, he has one win, six top fives, eight top 10 finishes. Average finish out of everyone in NASCAR is second, 6.6. Driver rating is third, 108.5. So last fall, he finished second to Bowman. If you remember, I think that's what sparked the the hack comment, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong there, but, you know, they finished one, two, and, you know, he was easily right there. So at the very least, Kyle Busch is going to be hovering around that fifth place mark. You know, he'll be maybe a little bit outside the top 10 and then make his way up to maybe second or third, maybe lead some laps. I mean, in his history, he's led a lot of laps at this racetrack, but he'll be hovering around that top five mark. And that's what we're, you know, really hoping for. He's got to be super pissed about last week. Like NASCAR, if we could just dive into that for one second, they called a penalty on Kyle Busch that I don't think we've ever seen. I know I touched on it in the intro when we were recapping Richmond, but to, to dissect it a little bit more, they had tape on their grill that apparently was illegal. Now, NASCAR called them on it after the tape had been on the grill for 200-plus laps. All right? So, yeah, if it's illegal, sure. You know what I mean? It's illegal. But the fact that they waited so long, NASCAR basically just killed their race. And they were able to rebound from that BS and finish ninth. I mean, he had a top five finish waiting for him. And then that happened. If they call that penalty when, you know, it's originally on there, they notice it and they call it right away, then, you know, he's right back in that race. He's got tons of time to make that up. If I'm in that 18 team, I'm in that race shop, I am just foaming at the mouth right now to get back out there and say, you know what, forget this shit. We need to, you know, shove it right up their asses. So I'm in to the 18 Kyle Busch plus 120 top five um, and, you know, a little sprinkle on the plus 1,000 to win the race too if they're that upset about it. Second in the fall last year, hey, he could do it. The last pick I'm going to take here in the top 10, you are going to just be like, what the hell are you thinking? But we got some money to play with. I mean, we're feeling pretty good right now. So I got I got some money to burn right now on a guy who's plus 300 to finish in the top 10. It's a super long shot. I'm fine with it. Uh, his name, A.J. Allmendinger. Yeah, that's right. A.J. Allmendinger I'm taking to finish in top 10 at Martinsville. So, you know, if you're already skipping ahead, you know, please don't, you know, hear me out here. In his last, you know, we're looking at this data from all these drivers in the last 10 races, right? So when you plug that in for AJ, he's only got four races in that time period. And that's when he was riding in the 47 car for JTG Doherty Racing. I always struggle to say their name, but he's got two top tens in those four starts for the 47 car, 2017 and 2018. So that right there kind of got my attention. Like he's driving the 47. That's not, you know, that's in a period in NASCAR history where, you know, the 47 team was getting kicked to the curb left and right. Now we're in a time where things are a little bit more even. AJ has established himself as a, a real player. I know he's not a full-time cup driver, but, you know, he's a, a legitimate star in the Xfinity series. And there's a reason why he gets these runs in the cup for college racing. So then I kind of zoomed out a little bit and wanted to take a look at AJ's career because 
we kind of just think of him more recently in, in colleague and then that 47, that little gap there. But he's had a long career, 21 starts at Martinsville in the Cup Series. And he's finished in the top 10 seven times. That's 33% of the time, one-third. So for a guy going off at plus 300, not a bad number. You know what I mean? Now, I know I'm zooming out a little far there, but I'm just trying to present a, a case to you here is like, this isn't that crazy. Like, this isn't totally out of control. In the Xfinity series, oh, and by the way, in those top 10s, those seven top 10s, he finished second twice. When he was running for the 47 crew, he finished second, and then he had a, a second place driving the 22 car for, for Penske. So that's a pretty big deal. I mean, to finish second in the 47 in a lower-tier team, he's got that ability. I, mean, I would say Colleague is a, a better tier than the 47 was back then. So... And currently, I mean, you know, that's my thought at least. Xfinity races, you know, because that's where he's at now. He's got three top 10 finishes and seven starts in the last 10 Xfinity races. So, again, right around that same number, you know, set, uh, three for seven, seven for 21, two for four. Um, those are the numbers that I'm throwing out there for you. So, plus 300 is not out of this world. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a real possibility. Now, I think... He has been the best driver in that carousel for Collie. I think AJ's been better than Justin Haley. Like, I know AJ, I think, is throwing Justin Haley a little bit of a bone. Um, I don't know what went on in the offseason to choose Haley. I think it's just because he's a younger guy. I know that those two are, like, best of friends. But AJ should be driving full-time in the Cup Series. That's my opinion. He has been better than any colleague racing driver this year in 2022 and that's only in a few starts so we'll see he did not perform very well at the phoenix which is a mile racetrack it's not complete apples to apples but i think he's looking for some revenge for coda i mean he easily could have won that race so trying to say like hey i'm not just a road course guy let me in top 10 i'm liking it plus 300 i'm, I'm throwing a hail mary here trying to cash in a little bit more of a bigger ticket so um to recap our picks here for finishing position we've got aj plus 300 Kyle Busch for a top five, plus 120, and his brother Kurt, plus 135 for a top 10. Can you do again? Yeah. Can you sound my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. So now we arrive at the head-to-head -head section here, and before we get into the picks that I'm going to be going into a lot more detail for... Just wanted to call out a couple. You know, I did mention Kurt over Eric Amarola when we're talking about Kurt's success here at Martinsville. I, I do think that that's a pretty good lean. We'll see how things unfold. But um, speaking of Amarola, you can get him over Austin Sendrick. And that's another lean. You know, you can't put them in a parlay, Kurt over Amarola and then Amarola over Sendrick. That doesn't work. But um, I like Amarola over Sendrick. Sendrick has not performed to what I would have hoped to this point at these normal tracks. I know he got that win at Daytona, which is great for them, you know, but still Almarola has some pretty good numbers here. We're not going to get into it. That's an early lean as well. Then in the featured matchup section, which is across all sports books, we've got Ryan Blaney over Ross Chastain. I guess they're trying to make something out of that minor incident. I guess it could have been major if those two ended up battling for uh, the win or a higher position at the end, but Ross ended up fading. 
Blaney is currently, as I'm recording this, minus 150. That is without a doubt going to go up. I think on one book, I saw it at minus 200. So that's on DraftKings. I saw it at minus 150, but I, I, I snuck it in as soon as I could because that number is going to shift. Blaney over Chastain. I, I mentioned Blaney's numbers here. I like him to win the race. I don't think um, this is going to be close whatsoever. So I'm absolutely all in on that minus 150. Minus 150 is a large number. I don't typically like to give up that much juice, but in this case, I did. So another one that we're not going to get into the full details, but just wanted to throw that out there. So let's get into some of these other matchups that we've got here. And I'm going to start with a battle of some of the younger guys who are a little bit more established. And I'm going to go with William Byron, minus 120 versus Christopher Bell, plus 100. And I've been on Christopher Bell the last few weeks. And that's going to stop right here in this matchup. All right. Christopher Bell, let's start looking at him first. Four career starts. Two of them were in the 95 car. He's got one top 10 finish, which came last spring. But the thing is, you know, we talked about Christopher Bell last week about how, you know, he was somebody that we like to win the race. And when you're looking at his stats, we're going to be doing this all year, right? You're going to look at how he did in the 95 and then the improvement that he made when he was driving into his racetracks in the 20 car. But the thing is, last year did not blow the doors off of me, at least, like we saw at Richmond when he hopped in the 20 car. All right, his average finish in those four starts is 16.8. Last year in the 20 car, he had a seventh place finish, which is great, and a 17th place finish. Eh, okay. You know what I mean? That's, that's like I said, not really anything to write home about. His average driver rating last year, if you just focus on when he was driving for JGR, was 92.5, which is really, really solid. I like that number. But, Let's take a look at Byron because it seems like he is figuring this racetrack out. He's been here a little bit longer. His average driver rating last year at Martinsville, if you want a little apples to apples, we just said we liked that 92.5 for Bell. Well, last year, Byron was averaging 110 at Martinsville in those two races. Now, he's got eight career starts, double the amount of experience that Christopher Bell has here in the Cup Series. Three top five finishes, four top ten finishes. His average finish, though, is actually kind of funny. He's just a tick behind Christopher Bell, 16.9. But the thing is, he's figuring it out over these last couple years. Fourth and fifth was where he finished last year, and he finished second in 2019's fall race. So Christopher Bell, I think he's got a lot of good things going on, but... I'm taking William Byron in this matchup. He's 3-1 head-to-head against Christopher Bell when they've been on the track at the same time. And it just kind of gets down to experience for me here. And in addition to that, William Byron just signed on to race the truck race on Thursday night. So that's just more laps on that track. I know it's a different series and everything like that. But, hey, the more you can be on that track in a competitive situation, the better. So I think that will go you know, a little bit, not a long way, but it'll go a little way to help Byron on Saturday night. So mark me down, William Byron, minus 120 in that first matchup. Next matchup I have for you is, it's a big matchup for me in a couple different ways. So this is pure experience versus just a young up-and-comer. And it's fun 
match up by the books. It's Brad Kozlowski minus 120 versus Chase Briscoe plus 110. Now, we'll start with Briscoe because he's the guy who has very little experience here. He only has two cup starts, 27th and 22nd place finishes. He finished nine laps down in the spring race last year, so that's not a good look if you're a Briscoe fan. Then my thought process was like, all right, well, you know, naturally I got to see how he did in the Xfinity series. Well, he only had one career start in Xfinity, which I found odd. I don't know the situation there with Briscoe's Xfinity series career, but it was a seventh place finish, top 10, you know what I mean? But the lack of experience is a little bit scary to me, especially when you're going up against Brad Kozlowski, because he is the total opposite. He has 24 career starts here at Martinsville. In his last 10 races, two wins, eight top fives. Eight top fives. Nine top 10 finishes. Now, he crashed last spring, finished 33rd. But other than that, his resume at Martinsville is just immaculate. It's unbelievable. He finished third last fall, so he bounced back from that crash. His average finish, 6.7. That's good enough for third on the circuit. Driver rating is second on the circuit, 111. So that's just telling you that Brad Keselowski loves Martinsville. Now, Roush Fenway Keselowski, both drivers ran a little bit better last week, but they've been weak this year. All right. And there's no doubt Chase Briscoe has been a better driver, better team. That 14 car has more oomph to it than the six car. In 2022, that is not a a mystery or a hidden fact or whatever, not a a bomb that I'm dropping on you. That's what we've seen. So that's what makes this matchup a little bit interesting because you're trying to say to yourself, all right, well, is this going to continue where Briscoe is going to be showing everyone like, hey, I'm here to stay. I'm a real deal guy and get that value. For me, I'm going to go with Brad. I said this is kind of a big matchup for me. I think it's a big matchup for Brad because if he can't do something at this racetrack, I don't know where they're going to find success this year. This is like a a home game, basically, for Brad because of how good he's been here. I mean, it's a huge race for them. If they go out here and lay an egg, they have some serious trouble. Like when you're you're looking at the calendar, kind of like what we said earlier about one of these other guys where you're, you're kind of focusing on like where you can be. I think I mentioned about Kurt Busch. You see Brad has been great here. So it's a driver with success. You need to capitalize on those racetracks if you're a young team, like that six car. Uh, So I'm going with Brad in this matchup because I'm going to go with experience over lack of experience. I don't don't know of a better way of saying it. Um, Even though Briscoe's up and coming, I'm going to see what Brad has here because I want to focus on him to – bet on it and remind me if he misses this bet, if he does not come through for me in this, this will be like the perfect reminder that I need to say like, wow, he really is off of it. So mark me down, Kozlowski minus 120 over Briscoe in this one. The last one that I have here, it was a featured matchup last week at Richmond. And I had mentioned on uh, Derek's betting preview show on Twitter that I was kind of hands-off on that one. And it was Denny Hamlin, minus 110, versus Joey Logano, minus 110. Well, they got him back this week. And it's not a featured matchup, but it's a, another great matchup by the books because these guys are so equal across the board. They, they should have this basically every week. We should keep track of 
you know, who's winning. Obviously, Hamlin won that head-to-head last week after winning the race. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I like Joey in this matchup, right? Last week, I was kind of like, I don't know who I'm going to land on here um, when it was presented to me on that show. Even though I took Hamlin on the podcast, I kind of was like, oh, you know, hedge my bet here. I I don't know. I said it was a no play for me. Now, I like Joey in this matchup at Martinsville. His stats all around, no matter what statistic or data point you want to throw out there, Joey's got them beat. Like that, it's just, that's what it is. So even though it's close, you got to feel confident, you know what I mean? Especially when they're even odd. So let's take a, a dive into it here. Logano with last 10 races has one win, four top fives, eight top 10 finishes. His average finish, fourth in NASCAR, 8.5. Phenomenal, right? That's what you want. Driver rating is fifth, 107.5. Unbelievable numbers there for Logano. He's getting to that point. If you remember, he won the clash and did the math, talked about it, I think, in the the subsequent podcast episode saying, hey, the, the clash winner has a bit of a jinx on him and average first win of the year comes around like that 10 race mark. Um, so we're getting there. We are getting there. He would be, if he were to go out and win this weekend, he would fall right in that uh, spectrum. We're not asking him to win the race. You know what I mean? I think either one of these guys could. I'm not, you know, going to beat around the bush there. But to beat one guy, I think Logano has it in him here. He's got five top tens in a row. And in order to win against Denny Hamlin, you're going to need to be in the top ten. And that's what I like about this. All right? Denny Hamlin, last ten races, no wins, four top fives, five top tens. Average finish, eighth, 12.2. And... You know, so like I said, those numbers are good. They're not as good as Joey's. Last four races, he's had two 24th place finishes. I always find it weird when these guys have like the same exact finish in some period of time. Uh, two 24ths. It's so strange. Uh, so that is something that kind of stands out to me here because, you know, meanwhile, Joey's just ripping off top tens left and right. And last fall was when he got one of those 24th place finishes after leading 100 laps. So, you know, I I didn't go back and watch the replay of, like, what happened there. But, you know, if you're going to need to beat Joey Logano, you can't be falling off at the end of the race finishing outside the top 20. So I like to fade winners. So, you know, he did it great for us last week. I like to fade winners. I typically try to avoid betting on someone who won the week before until someone in that season goes out and does it. So Denny obviously won last week. I use that strategy for you know picking outrights, but in this case, I'm fading him in the head-to-head matchup here. Head-to-head, they talking about how good they are against each other. Head-to-head, they split last year one and one, six and four. Logano takes it in the last 10 races, like just so close, like razor thin. So I'm going to go with Logano, minus 110 in a very close matchup. You got to believe they're going to be right around each other most of the race, but I'm going to go with Logano on this one to get a little revenge from last week. So uh, locking that in, we will recap here. You could put all of these on DraftKings in a parlay for plus 524 as we speak. Now to recap them, it's Byron minus 120 over Christopher Bell, Brad Kozlowski over Chase Briscoe for minus 120, and Joey Logano minus 110 
over Hamlin. So now to end the episode, we're going to have a Phil's fired up and this is a positive Phil's fired up. I am so pumped at the week that we have ahead of us in the sports world. Obviously we love NASCAR. We love betting on NASCAR. Saturday night's going to be great, but there are so many other things going on in the sports world. I just have to, you know, put my two cents out there and we're going to start with some NASCAR talk here because we've got truck action midweek, Thursday night. I'm so excited because I inadvertently had taken off of work. Uh, we're taking the family up to the Poconos. My grandfather built a house up there about 10 minutes from Pocono Raceway. And, you know, my wife and kids were going to be up there from Wednesday all the way to Sunday. So people at work were kind of like, oh, wow, you know, what are you doing? You know, doing something big for the Masters or, you know, you're going to the opening day for baseball. I'm like, no, you know what I mean? Just kind of happen to turn out like that. So I'm super pumped that I'm going to be off of work, kind of hanging out, being able to watch this stuff unfold all week and weekend. And it starts with the truck race, Thursday night lights. Yeah, a little bit different, but I love it. And we've got a couple cup drivers dropping down into the, the truck series, which, you know, it changes everything when they do this, especially when the big dog does it, and that's Kyle Busch. Now, I'm a little shocked because Kyle is minus 110 to win the race right now, and I have to believe that that's because he's raced a few times already in the truck series this year and did not get it done like he has in the past. Years ago, it would be like automatic. If you remember, the odds earlier in the season were like minus 150, minus 140. Well, now you're getting them at minus 110. I still think that is a really good situation there for the gambler for Kyle Busch. He's got one start in the last like eight truck races at Martinsville, and he went out and he won the damn thing. So how could you not, if you got some, you know, a little extra cash lying around, how could you not throw that in? Because it just feels like a sure thing every time he drops down. Even though it hasn't been this year, it feels that way, especially at a track like this. We broke down his cup stats to finish top five. I mean, you know, if he's good enough to do that in the, the cup series, trucks, you know, driving his own truck, it's always a recipe for success for Kyle Busch. Now, whether he goes and executes it, I don't know. I think because he doesn't have a win this year, it's going to be extra motivation because they only get a certain amount of starts. I, I don't know the rule off the top of my head. It used to be they could run whatever they want to do. But now they've limited the cup drivers from dropping down and racing in the lower series. And he's already used up at least three that I can remember. So, or maybe this is his third race. I don't know. I think it might be four total. So he's running out of, running out of time here, is my point, to get a truck win. So I think that's going to be a factor as well, if you like the minus 110 number. But if you don't want to take Kyle, which I understand, you know, we, we talk about the heavy favorite. Now let's take a look at some of these other guys. I mean, I mentioned William Byron getting a run in the truck series on Thursday night. He's going off at plus 500. Byron, you know, if, if it's going to be somebody other than Kyle, why wouldn't it be Byron? He doesn't have much to kind of show for it at Martinsville, but, you know, that's interesting to me. I'm not like all in on that. I, I don't know when that came together for him to run that. I don't know if it was like this week or it was like decided upon really early. I feel like it kind of came together recently because the news like broke you know, this week, hey, he's driving, I think it's the seven truck. 
Uh, so I'm not like all in on plus 500, but he's a cup driver driving in the trucks. Like how does that, you know, not feel good to throw that money and get that value there? John Hunter Nemechek is the next favorite. He's plus 800. He's got one win, three top fives, four top tens in his truck series career and eight starts. But the thing is, that success actually came before he joined Kyle Busch Motorsports. When he was driving the eight truck, he got a lot of that success. Recently, he hasn't really been that good. So, you know, anything can happen, obviously. But I'm actually kind of shady about that. I may look for him in maybe a head-to-head matchup. But to win the race at plus 800, I'm a little skeptical because of what I've seen in the more recent form here for John Hunter. Zane Smith is a guy that I love. Uh, Plus 1,000. I mean, he's just always been my guy. He's like currently like my truck driver. And he's killing it this year, like blowing the doors away from everybody. And he's plus 1,000. No respect for this dude. None. His odds are phenomenal. He's had two starts at Martinsville. He finished first and third. He won the last time he was here. So how does he get no respect from the sports books here? This is an opportunity for you to cash in, plus 1,000. If you want somebody, like I said, other than Kyle Busch, he's somebody that stands out to me because he's done it against Kyle this year. And he's plus 200 for a top three. Love that. He's done it twice. So twice in 100% of the time. So plus 200 seems pretty damn good. I think I might like that better just because Kyle and Byron are in the race. Uh, But if you're still looking for other people, kind of usual suspects here. Ben Rhodes for a top five minus 110 stands out to me. He's plus 1,400 to win. I don't know if Ben can pull that off this week. But in his last five races, he has three top five finishes, including two seconds. So maybe that plus 1,400 is a, a good long shot there. But I like him for sure for a top five. I'm definitely throwing money down on that and maybe sprinkle a little bit on Ben just in case. I uh, might have to be quick with it. Maybe watch practice because the truck odds don't change all that much as far as I can tell. You know, they do take them down for practice and qualifying and put them back up. But uh, I don't think they really alter them that much for guys like Ben Rhodes. So maybe you'll be able to get them at a better number there. We'll see. But three top fives in the last five races. I like him for a top five this week. Then the last guy I'll call out, call out here, excuse me, is Matt Crafton. Um, sorry if you heard this before, but he's got good numbers here. I mean, he's the old dog, the old wily veteran, as they say, and he's plus 250 to finish in the top five. And last two trips to Martinsville in the truck series, he's had two fifth place finishes. So who's to say that he can't go out and get it done? He's been doing it recently and he's been here a million times but he's still doing it top fives so hey a little bit more of a longer shot there if you you know don't like the minus 110 plays that i'm throwing out here on some of these picks plus 250 bit of a longer shot but uh for a guy who's longer in the tooth but i I love that yellow truck so crafting plus 250 seems like a, a solid value there the head-to-heads aren't out as I'm recording this, but you better believe they're going to be good for a Thursday night race at Martinsville. So keep your eye on my Instagram or Twitter. Try to post what I can there when they drop. Hopefully um, we get some good matchups there. So that's the truck race. Xfinity I have not looked too far into, but I can tell you that I'm on Noah Gregson this week at plus 550. He has really good stats at Martinsville. And you know I'm not as big of an Xfinity fan, but... 
Noah was strong early last weekend and then got all mixed up. He was battling with Ty Gibbs for the first part of that race and then kind of fell off um, for you know a bunch of different circumstances there. So Noah coming back to a track, looking for a better finish. They need some you know momentum there. I like Noah this week plus 550 to win the race in the Xfinity Series. So now shifting from NASCAR onto some of these other sports, we've got golf action. I mentioned our, our guy Derek's going to be on the Flag Hunting Podcast. Half of what they do is golf, so this is a huge weekend for them. Masters, it's the best. I mean, if you're a golf fan, if you're someone who listens to this podcast, uh, I'd like to think that maybe like half the people listen because they're NASCAR fans and the other half listen because they're gamblers and maybe not you know huge NASCAR fans kind of bringing people together. That's my goal, right? Well, I would think that there are people out there who are anxious for this weekend for Masters. I am not going to try to pretend that I'm like some sort of awesome golf gambler. I love doing the pools, you know, for the big majors and things like that with buddies and some fantasy stuff there. But I'll throw some thoughts out there for you and you can do what you want with it here because I am excited for for Masters Week. Um, First of all, me and my buddies, we love Cam Smith. We hit big on him at the Players' Championship, and we're on him again this week, plus 1,400 to win the race, uh, excuse me, <laughs> win the tournament. And, uh, you know, I don't, I feel like because he won the Players, it's like almost impossible to go back and then win the Masters. But plus 1,400 is a damn good number for our guy, Cam Smith. Now, some head-to-heads on Thursday. So I apologize if you're, you know, missing this, you didn't listen to this uh, before Thursday, but Tony Finau is going up against Adam Scott, and Finau is plus 100 in that Thursday round matchup. Give me a break. Tony Finau, it feels like he's always top of the leaderboard after Thursday, and then he falls. So give me Finau plus 100 over Adam Scott. What has Adam Scott done in the last, like, five years? I don't know. Tony Finau's on his way up. Adam Scott on his way down. So give me that matchup all day and night. Now, when I was on with the flag hunting guys, Chris and Ian, I told them Thursday rounds, head-to-head matchups, Victor Hovland is someone that always screws me. I'll throw together like six-leg parlay, and I'll hit five of them in Hovland always screws me on Thursday. He ends up always rebounding and playing well, you know, the rest of the tournament, finishing like second or whatever. But that Thursday round, whoever he's matched up against, he always screws me. So I told him, I'm going to give it one more shot. And at the players, I did, and he screwed me again. So I'm going with Xander Shoffley over Victor Hovland on Saturday, excuse me, on Thursday, that first round matchup because of that. I, I said he's dead to me. I can't take him anymore. And I love Xander Shoffley. He won me some big money last year and the, the gold medal for the Olympics. So Shoffley's my boy. Going up against Hovland, who is dead to me, it's a no-brainer. The last thing I'm just going to throw out there, you know, guys guys that I like, if you have like office pools or things like that, Mark Leishman to make the cut. Um, if you, We do a, a thing where we have to choose two A players, two B players. They all have to make the cut. Mark Leishman is on my list. I, I think he's kind of sneaky good at this course. Uh, so... I'm throwing him in there, but Tiger Woods, as I'm talking right now, seems like he's going to play, and I don't know how. Minus 115 to make the cut. I don't know how you don't take that. Everybody else in the field to make the cut is 
a ridiculous number. You're giving up tons of juice for them to make the cut. Tiger is the bottom of the barrel. He's minus 115 to make the cut, minus 115 to miss the cut. So I think that if he's playing in this tournament, it would behoove you to be behind him with a bet because everybody's going to be watching for Tiger. So you're not going to miss any of his action. And what kind of a story that would be for Tiger Woods to make the cut. I mean, after that accident, after it seemed like he would never walk again, let alone play golf, now he's talking about playing. And and if he is playing, I got to take that minus 115. So just some, some simple, you know, golf thoughts there. Like I said, if you like them, take them. If you don't, throw them right back. Uh, but those are my thoughts on the the Masters. I'm very excited. And I'm, I'm pumped to have off, honestly. Kind of inadvertently took off, and I'll be able to watch a lot of golf this weekend. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is baseball's back. The lockout is over, and the season started a week late. So now the opening day is Thursday for the baseball season. So I got some future bets to throw your way. If you are a fan of baseball or if you're just a degenerate like myself who throws money down on all sports. So I, again, kind of have my own thoughts on certain bets, a lot of which I'm not going to bore you with um, in this Phil's Fired Up section. But I did reach out to my buddy who goes by an alias of Dickie Dallin Corp. And you can find him out there on social media if you can. He's kind of a mysterious dude out there. But I said, hey, what are we looking at for some future bets? And he gave me some some good insight here. Uh, rookie of the year future bets. The Cubs have a guy named Siaya. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but he's an outfielder named Suzuki. And he's plus 380 on DraftKings to win the NL Rookie of the Year. And my guy Dickie says this is the guy. He's going to be a stud this season, an impact player for the Cubs. So he's all in on him to win the NL. He said, like, that is the pick. There's no other guy in the NL that's going to compete with him. So I'm in plus 330, excuse me, plus 380 on DraftKings. Um, That's the best sports book to get Suzuki from the Cubs to finish as the NL Rookie of the Year. Now in the AL, he had a couple different horses. He's going with Spencer Tolkerson. The first baseman for the Tigers at plus 550 on Barstool to win the AL Rookie of the Year. And then the other guy that he had was Bobby Witt Jr., which it seems like he's kind of a, a favorite pick of a lot of different people. He's a, a shortstop, and he's going off at plus 310 on DraftKings to finish as the AL Rookie of the Year. So, those two kind of, uh, my guy Dickie feels like he, you know, they're going to compete with each other, but it's going to be in on both of them. Obviously, uh, Spencer there has the, the best value if he were to hit right now. So, hey, I'm rhyme with Dickie on this one, and I'm throwing some money down all those guys for some future bets. Now, I found a really good future bet for the season-long home run totals, all right? We're getting real down and dirty here, but I found this one super interesting because Vlad Guerrero Jr. is matched up against Pete Alonzo of the Mets. Vlad plays for the Blue Jays, Pete Alonzo for the Mets, and they're even odds, minus 110 against each other. To me, I saw this and I laughed out loud. Like, Vlad Guerrero, I feel like, is going to have like 60 home runs this year. He's an absolute monster. He came into camp way in shape, looking much better, lost some weight, 
Pete Alonzo, I feel like, is a an injury waiting to happen. So, and that's the thing with these, you know, future bets. Somebody gets injured, especially in those rookie of the year bets. Like, somebody gets injured, they're out for a month or two, that kills you. Well, same with the home run bet. So, I think Vlad is primed for an absolute monster season. Minus 110 versus Pete Alonzo is a joke in home runs. I'm going with Vlad in that matchup. Absolutely. It's not even close. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to talk about, my hometown team, man, the Phillies. I love the Phillies so much, and their team has got a lot of buzz around them, good free agent signings. Um, their win total over-under is 86.5. I'm taking the over just because I'm a fan, I, but I really do feel like they can pull that off. Uh, 86 is just a, a few games over 500. So I think the Phillies could do that. To make the playoffs, they're minus 140. That's a little sketchy, minus 140. I would have thought they'd be, you know, get a little bit better value on that one. But, you know, minus 140, I, I do think they can pull that off as well. I think it's going to be the Mets and the Phils in the AL East. I think the Braves are going to take a step backwards and, uh, excuse me, the NL East. And that's what it's going to be. So that's my hope. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm calling that out ahead of time. Now, what I'm disappointed in is – last few years, I was able to take future head-to-heads team wins. Like, who's going to have a, a better season for win totals? This year, they made it so that it's a, a, a spread. So the Phillies' only matchup is against the Pirates, minus 19 and a half, which I don't like that at all. I feel like if the Pirates do any sort of good whatsoever, then, you know, that's a tough bet to hit. But little disappointed in that. So that's why I'm taking the over 86.5, just making it all about the fills. So, um, yeah, that's my thoughts on baseball. And if you guys, anybody listening, has any takes on the Masters, on baseball futures, or, or anything in general for those sports, just let me know because I'm, like, so anxious to, to ride with anything that anybody feels like they have a line on. I'm ready to go. So that's what I'm fired up about. You know, the, the lower series picks there. We got baseballs back. We got the Masters tournament. All you got to do this week, sit back, relax, crack some beers, have some hot dogs, and have one hell of a sports week. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any bets of your own you want to throw my way, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Full Tank Phil. Would love to hear from you. And go out and place those bets for Martinsville. We got to cash in because next week, Bristol Dirt, it's going to be a crazy one. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Place to go. Have no place to go. Girl.